Eric Smith's Six Things That So-Called Wrong Blacks Should Know. Addressing the Gap in American Discourse and how rediscovering the importance of goodness, truth, beauty, and shared meanings may be the answer we need, according to Anaya Fuller and Iman. Welcome to Fair News Weekly. To read all of the articles discussed in this podcast, please visit fairforall.org news. Fair in Medicine is a nonpartisan professional network dedicated to advancing the highest ethical standards in medical practice and promoting a common medical culture based on critical thinking and the pursuit of excellence in all medical endeavors. Fair believes that medical care should be provided without regard to background, sex, skin color, and all immutable characteristics. We offer support to physicians who are threatened or persecuted for raising concerns about patient safety, weakening of medical education standards, unethical research and practice, or any medical pursuit negatively impacted by ideology. On December 13th, 14th, and 15th, from 7 to 7.45 p.m. Eastern, Fair Advisor Xander Kegg will be hosting a series of wellness webinars for Fair members. The webinars include stress management, navigating uncertainty, and the importance of getting a good night's sleep. More information on our website. The Foundation for Individual Rights in Education is awarding $20,000 in scholarships to students who can make the best argument for why freedom of speech is a better idea than censorship. All juniors and seniors in U.S. high schools are eligible. Entries are due by December 31st. Check out FIRE's essay contest page for more details. Teachers often feel isolated and alone in their schools, but FAIR is here for you. We will be holding weekly informal happy hours to share experiences and concerns and work on developing resources just for teachers. We will also be holding more formal monthly meetings to address issues based on your needs and interests. For more information, contact Brian Kors at brian.kors at fairforall.org. It has come to FAIR's attention that the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, has composed a draft plan outlining and updating their strategic goals to be achieved from 2022 through 2026. Under each strategic goal, the plans list objectives to guide its work in that area. While the objectives outlined in the draft plan are similar-sounding but not identical to those contained in the current plan, it adds a new objective, 2.4, to advance racial equity and all forms of equity and support underserved and marginalized communities through the FTC's competition mission. The plan, however, does not define the term of equity, sets forth no specific policies or actions that will be instituted to achieve it, and establishes no standards by which equity can be assessed or measured. By leaving the central goal undefined, the FTC risks not only inconsistent actions but arbitrary enforcement that may result in unlawful discrimination. The FTC should not adopt vague objectives that draw racial classifications and are beyond its scope and mission. For those reasons, FAIR respectfully requests that the FTC omit Objective 2.4 from the final strategic plan for fiscal years 2022 through 2026. Our friends at the Heterodox Academy will be hosting Julia Galef, author of The Scout Mindset, Why Some People See Things Clearly and Others Don't, to discuss how to think like a scout instead of a soldier, see reality more clearly, and get things right more often.
Want to learn how to resist caving to personal biases and giving into our tribal inclinations? How we can lower our defenses, open ourselves up to constructive disagreement, and how to learn from those beyond our walls? Then be sure not to miss this event, December 6th, 2021, at 7 p.m. Eastern. Register today. For Quillette, editor Scott Newman addressed the large gap in America between the discourse surrounding issues of race, class, fairness, and the truth. Though the narratives and conversations surrounding these topics are often vague, grandiose, and informed by generalities, abstractions, and righteous indignation, Newman contends that the values held by both progressives and conservatives are actually quite similar. In Concrete Data, Newman split the political divide to reveal a path forward that most Americans should be able to agree upon. One by one, Newman applied his data-first approach to highly contentious topics such as poverty, police brutality, affirmative action, and free speech. His analysis is even-handed and reveals that there is plenty of blame to go around on all sides contributing to our warped perceptions. Inflexible ideological assumptions and value judgments are not always well-suited to addressing the problems of a complex world filled with conflicting interests and the perverse and contradictory impulses of human nature. He states, In the National Post, Michael Higgins writes for Dr. Patanjali Kamhampati an award-winning chemistry professor at Montreal's McGill University, who claims to have been denied federal funding for his grants due to his refusal to take a person's race into consideration for hiring purposes. For many of Canada's research-granting agencies, Kemhampathi's insistence of a colorblind approach to hire on merit any research assistant who is qualified regardless of their identity is not compatible with their diversity and inclusion requirements. I've had two people say that was the kiss of death, Kamhampati said. I thought I was trying to be nice, saying that if you were interested and able, I'd hire you, and that's all that mattered. I don't care about the color of your skin. I'm interested in hiring someone who wants to work on the project and is good at it. Kamhampati's laboratory studies high-powered lasers that have applications in the telecom industry as well as medicine. While Kamhampati believes that Canada is well-situated to become a world leader in this field, his grant applications have not yet been evaluated by any qualified scientists because they are routinely struck down by DEI administrators before peer review. For Heterodox, David Diener and Angel Parham aim to show how the fraught history behind some of our holidays can actually be used as a source of unity. When these holidays begin to polarize, the authors believe we need to remind ourselves about fundamental purpose behind teaching and celebrating history. We shouldn't study history or observe historical events to open old wounds or unearth the sins of our fathers. Rather, we should view these holidays and history more generally with open minds as a series of lessons on human nature and as a guidebook for cultivating virtue and wisdom. If we learn to approach our history from this perspective, we might find it to be a catalyst for unity rather than an ongoing source of division. By cultivating an environment of open debate and free inquiry, the authors believe we can use history to draw out personal lessons about our moral blind spots of the past, to help direct our attentions to new blind spots that undoubtedly exist today that will seem obvious to future generations in hindsight. For discourse, Fair Advisor Eric Smith describes what to do when you're perceived as being the wrong kind of black person, an accusation Smith is well accustomed to for his criticisms of critical race theory and other identity-based teachings. 
Those of us considered the wrong kinds of black people are treated worse than problematic whites. Our refusal to toe the woke line is seen as betrayal. At best, we are accused of multicultural whiteness, i.e. being racially black but politically white. At worst, we are seen as traitors, kissing up to our oppressors. Either way, we are seen as holistically wrong, and therefore detrimental to the advancement of social justice. Smith points out that while there is considerable viewpoint diversity among the wrong kinds of black people, one thing they all share is a common shunning from ideologically righteous activists. To help those who are finding themselves in a target of such shunnings, Smith outlines six things that so-called wrong blacks should know and expect and how to respond. These include, number one, expect classical liberal values to make you suspect. Number two, expect that what you call accomplishment, they call privilege. Number three, expect people to put words in your mouth. Number four, expect some white people will police your blackness. Number five, remember that there is power in numbers. Number six, remember to laugh and love. For Tablet, Ari Blaff wrote a powerful essay on the tendency of Americans to graft their domestic culture wars onto foreign conflicts. Michigan Representative Rashida Tlaib, for instance, compared the conflict between Israel and Palestine to race relations in the U.S., saying that what they are doing to the Palestinian people is what they continue to do to our black brothers and sisters here. Blaff highlights the worrying portrayal of Israel as the embodiment of global whiteness that is rapidly becoming synonymous with racial supremacy. As a result of these portrayals, the social landscape for Jews in the U.S. has also begun to shift as they are being transformed, in the eyes of some, from a highly oppressed minority into symbols of white privilege and oppression. The whitening of both domestic and foreign Jews is not an isolated phenomenon. It is also a foreboding sign for other American minorities caught in the cultural riptides. The attempt to whiten Jews in order to demonize or discredit their history in America has many parallels with similar attempts to racially recategorize Asian Americans. For City Journal, David Buck and James Fury exposed a highly ideological English-language arts curriculum called Units of Study that is currently being used in thousands of classrooms across the U.S. The K-12 curriculum is rooted in critical theory and covers the politics of race, class, and gender. The programs are heavy on ideological jargon, with some students asking to analyze text through identity lenses and break down their hegemonic masculinity by applying both critical race theory and gender theory to develop critical literacy and help investigate power. This unit underscores a problem far larger than a few lesson plans. It exposes a radical approach to education that pervades our schools and upends all of our former notions of what education should be. Replacing the goal of fostering inquisitive, capable minds with ideologically trained readers who already know what the text has to say. The authors highlight research by the education nonprofit edreports.org, claiming that units of study did not meet the expectations for text quality and complexity and alignment to the expectations of standards, and that its materials are devoid of a consistent, systematic, and explicit plan for instruction in and practice of grade-level foundational skills. For Telegraph, Fair Advisor Inaya Folarin Aman described what she views as a new moral order, which dictates that you should be honored not for what you achieved nor for what you've sacrificed, 
but instead for the correct opinions you express and the identity category you belong to. Iman's essay was inspired by recent events surrounding the late English Prime Minister Winston Churchill and Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling, where activists attempt to erase their achievements because of their problematic views. According to Aman, young people are being taught that goodness isn't found in forgiveness, fortitude, and courage, but in uncritically reciting the fashionable cultural mantras of the present. Everything must be made subordinate to the compulsion to show that we have the right views. It is a moral catastrophe. Iman believes that we need to rediscover the importance of goodness, truth, beauty, and shared meanings. Otherwise, these virtues will be lost to an aggressive, Philistine, and corrosive ideology. Finally, if you liked this podcast, subscribe, share it with a friend, and leave us a rating and review. Make sure to check out our newsletter and weekly roundup to read into more of any of this week's stories, or visit fairforall.org news. Donations are always welcome at fairforall.org donate.